oftentimes I visualize my songs as like these kind of old timey black and white vignette films. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is a member of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Welcome to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. Today, my guest, you may know this person from the acoustic folk duo Rainbow Flag and the band The Merry Travelers, Holly Monet. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to be listening to the song Flight of the Body, which the recording was recorded live at WEFT. They have their live local weft sessions on monday nights thank you to weft for recording that and also supporting the local scene so without further ado as i love to say let's listen to the song
Welcome back. So, as is always, my first and favorite question is, with this song, was it the words or was it the music that came first? Ooh, that's a fun question. And I never think about these things till someone asks. Let's see. I feel like with... Ooh, I'm going to have to think about that one for two or three seconds. Because no I feel like with every song, it's different for me. Um, so your your overall writing process can be a mixture of having be inspired by words, or you're playing something on the guitar, or whatever instrument else that you work with that inspires you to create a song. For sure. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more I realize that I think for the most part, for me, the words come first. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, I'll come up with a melody and then and then later on, I'll um, if I really like it, I'll be like, "Ooh, I need to hold on to that and write a song around that. Okay. But for me, and I'm I'm certain with Flight of the Body, the writing came first and the words came first. Okay. Um, Above most things, I uh, consider myself a, a writer more so than a musician. So oh. for me, the writing is oftentimes and the words are the initial inspiration. If we're going to talk from the perspective of the words coming first, did it start off with this idea of the word play of the word body, which is, you know, you talk of like... One might think when they hear that, that it's talking about the the physical body actually taking flight. But if you want to say something about the word body pronunciation, but it sounds homonym of of body. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Whatever that word is, where it sounds, sounds like the, the same, same, but means a different thing. Yes. Totally. I'm glad you're asking all these questions because I'm now remembering also, it's very tied to the title, I'm remembering what got this song off the ground. And it is the opening lines of the uh, the song is, we ride on faith and grace. I just remember, 
you're referring to the spelling of the name of the song is Flight of the Body, and body is spelled B-O-D-H-I. And it's referring to a term in Buddhism, the Bodhisattva, or the Bodhi, I think is maybe how one would pronounce that in short term. But I'm, I'm playing with words right. for sure in the title. Yeah. Bodhisattva is a term in Buddhism used for basically one who can attain enlightenment, but also still essentially experiences all of the turmoils of the human experience before reaching nirvana. Essentially what this song is about is this struggle that we all share in the the human experience or like the, the flight that we all take in our life that is really full of struggles and victories and pain and sorrow and also rejoicing and how ultimately this whole experience can be quite liberating and enlightening. It's a journey to get there. Do you feel like that Buddhism is is a part of your spiritual viewpoint or is that, I mean, is that something that's specifically important to you or is this just something that you draw inspiration from? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, that's the, a, that's yeah. a fair thing to infer based on how thickly that's woven into the song that we're, we're talking about. For me, I do feel like I've spent most of my spiritual discovery kind of exploring the philosophies of Buddhism. I grew up with a really secular upbringing, so I was kind of a blank slate until adulthood, and then I did some personal exploration and really found a lot of truth and alignment with reading Buddhist philosophy. I still really try and shy away from like fixing myself upon any particular philosophy or identity with a spirituality, but I feel a lot of alignment with a lot of those ideas. And I do feel like for me, it translates a lot into my songwriting, which most of my songwriting is a lot of like self-help poems or things that I write to myself or people that are really close to me that I Uh see struggling. And I oftentimes use it as a tool to work through emotions or maybe communicate with someone about something. And it's undeniable that a lot of those ideas trickle in. I think you said it earlier, but let me just check again. So the Yes We Ride on Faith and Grace, that was the start of the words? Is Mm -hmm. that that concept? Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. And I was inspired by someone that I worked with at the Red Herring, who was just kind of noticing this phenomenon, oftentimes bestowed with all these like little gifts from the community and that keep us going. We're a nonprofit, so really low budget and things like that. But oftentimes we'll get these amazing donations from local growers. And my coworker commented to me, he was relatively new and he was like, it feels like this place just rides on faith. I kind of took that little snippet and was like, oh, wow, that's a really beautiful thought. And then really focused on it and and blew it up. But yet, I I feel like, yes, when you look at faith and grace, you feel that as being like a a comforting thing. But you follow that up with the line of hardly resting our bones, Mm -hmm. which I feel like that, that balances that support in some way. Absolutely. I feel like that. Uh, within the Buddhist religion, Buddhist philosophy, there's that sense of balance, that it's not necessarily trying to find all the good, but just finding balance within the good and bad in a certain sense. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I see that there's that, that you do uh, several contrarian things where it's just like you you ride 
and but it's on faith and grace, but hardly resting your bones and and the brave are not afraid. Oh yeah, something. I, you're you totally know? nailing it. You really are. I, oh, okay. I, you're you're absolutely nailing it. I feel like the whole. You're right within the the ideas of Buddhism or or just that whole realm of thought. There is so much emphasis on balance. Everything is balance. Energy is balance. And and in the song, that's absolutely a theme of everything you just mentioned. And then in the final verse of the song the final line is from darkness i seek light and i really feel like that's kind of exemplifying that theme maybe a little more directly so it's absolutely an intentional theme throughout the whole song to kind of highlight the reality of of this struggle and this journey that's just highs and lows dark and light happiness and sadness i'm curious because of the the way that this song is is put together maybe it's because it's got the organ sound in there and the way that it's put together it's like it kind of has this slight doors feel and then it also has kind of uh has a bit of a gospel thing to it and even just flat back onto the singer songwriter thing but it's just i i feel like that's part of the styling that cody and charlie and louis like color the song i'm just curious when you when you wrote this were were there like straight chords the thing that pops out at me in this song is that descending chromatic bass line that's dropping down i'm just curious if that was something that was when you brought it to the rest of the band that popped in or was that something you were doing on the guitar when you were when you were putting that together on the on the guitar were you doing that descending bass line or did that just kind of crop up as as it get brought to the band no that that was a charlie move um, for sure and 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 I'm sure he would be so glad that that is something that stands out. That's a really important question and a question that actually means a lot to me because one could consider me the songwriter of the band, which these are my songs, and I'm writing the the bare bones, the framework of it. But when I bring it to the group, they really flesh it out. They bring it to mm. life and they definitely all bring their own edge and their own flavor to it. And so... You know, how I play this song as a a singer-songwriter is much more stripped and really basic guitar, heavy emphasis on the vocals and the the lyrics. And with the group, it gets much more psychedelic and bluesy and a little more rock edge and all those sounds that you said you heard Mm. emerging. That's that's definitely the flavor that the guys bring to the group. And I'm I'm so appreciative that I feel like I kind of start the songs and then they help me finish them Mm. or really bring them to life to what they they were supposed to be so yeah it's 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 really fun to hear how they evolve once i bring them to the group could you say that you had this song finished acoustically and vocally when you brought it to the band or do you do you did you bring like sections of it and then say let's flesh this out to complete it this song in particular i did have finished it was a song i was performing solo i used to perform solo a lot more often than i do these days 2019 we were just so lucky to have a lot of opportunities Mm. to play as a group so i really came to identify with that sound but when i brought this song to the group it was already finished and they really just took it there they kind of took what i had and maximized it 
and took it the extra mile. I will say new songs these days that I'm bringing to the table, I'm bringing to them more so incomplete because I think we're just getting more comfortable as a group. And at this point with the current lineup, we've been playing together for almost two years. So I'm feeling a lot more comfortable that I can bring something that is in pieces or not quite fully developed. And as a group, we can take it there. So are you planning on recording an album as a group sometime soon? Or or are you just <clears throat> kind of vibing on the, the live performance kind of thing right now? I don't know. Um, I, I do know. Um, we are going to record an album. We have started recording um, with Sam Payne in Urbana. It's getting there. It's been coming along. We actually started that a little over a year ago, and it's just been a really slow project. And I think as a group, we're still kind of um, in the last year, we've spent a lot of time playing live shows. And I think that's helped us really lock in and identify our sound and be a lot more collaborative. So I think it's good. We took that time and, and didn't rush into the album. I think 2020, though, hopefully we can focus on that project and finish it up, but we'll see. Nice. I do joke a lot that we're just a live band and, you know, like like the Grateful Dead, you know, you'll just like, it's better that way. Yeah. Well, there's nothing, <laughs> uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's really more of trying to be able to share a band with people that are outside of the scene. Absolutely. Um, being like, oh yeah, I should check, you know. They're wonderful live, but here here's what their recordings sound like, just so you can get inspired to come and go to the... But yeah, definitely oh, yeah. having that recording through Weft and as a live, I, I feel like that's, that's pretty amazing in itself, just to have that resource. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And and I'm with you. I, I that that is one of my main reasons of wanting to have a a recorded studio album is just for the shareability of friends yeah. and family near and far or people True. that like don't really go out to live shows and just to be more accessible and available and we'll get there. Hmm. That's an interesting I guess an interesting term to think of that a recording does is that it creates accessibility to your work. Mm-hmm even now more so when we can have things digital that it's important to be able to have these recordings as well. When you use the word freedom and set free and set free. Now, what, what does freedom mean to you? And maybe even just freedom uh, in the context of this song. I think maybe my view of freedom is fairly synonymous with how I use it in this song. I mean, of course, it's all contextual. Right. But when I think about freedom, like even like America, freedom, yeah. <laughs> whatever, I'm still thinking about it kind of the same. And, and I guess I mean more of like a freedom of spirit, freedom within you to just like be in touch with yourself, liberated within yourself to just be you and be present. And I think that's what I mean in that song. We dreamt about our freedom. Lo and behold, we were set free. Just realizing like, I don't know, it might even be playing with the idea of like spending all this time maybe seeking freedom and, and realizing that all along, like it's, it's there, it's within huh. you and you have the ability to unlock that. Yeah, I think I, I'm playing with all of these ideas. But I, I guess, for me, freedom is a very internal notion rather than external. But of course, that's that's within its own context, too. I realize there's some contexts where that's just 
not necessarily the most practical way to think. I want to say like a preamble to each of your verses is the, we ride, we arrived, we survived. What was the source of that? I called the them preambles how did i come up with that phrasing to like tell the story right well i feel like it it does a good job of creating a rhythmic motif as well as like a conceptual motif of travel i write a lot of my songs thinking about them as a story a lot of them will be kind of in a poem form but i think Mm -hmm. about telling a story that was a way for me to demonstrate like a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's not to say that the journey is is complete within the song. Yeah, I mean, I guess the song is talking a lot about like the journey of enlightenment. And I think that I'm talking about the beginning of like maybe finding yourself walking down that road of being aware that maybe that's your purpose and, and getting swept up in it. And then in the middle, we arrive. For me, it's all about like beginning, middle, end with how I told that story. And I was playing with words too, rhythmically, to kind of sound poetic. I don't know, I I love playing with words. I love writing things. How long have you been playing music and singing? I was thinking about that as I was driving over here because I was preparing myself if for having to think about that. 2014 was when I started picking up the guitar and playing again. So not that long. Like I'm, I'm going on like five years of doing what I'm doing now of like singing, playing guitar, playing music with people, writing mm. songs. I took guitar lessons when I was in high school for about two years and was just not at all in a mental place of being disciplined about practicing or taking Mm. it seriously. I paid attention just enough to learn the chords I need to know to like get started and to learn how to read a little bit of music enough to learn some covers to help me kind of get started as well as I picked things up again in 2014. So I had a super minimal baseline knowledge. And then I met Rachel, who I used to be in the band Rainbow Flag with. And we started playing music together. And that began that segment of my life. She really helped me get off the ground and pick things up again. This for me feels pretty undeniably like my favorite song that I play with this band and one of my favorite songs I've ever written. And whenever we perform it live, I'm always like, we have to have this song on the set list. I just love it. Mm. And I don't know what it is about it. And I think maybe just the message means a lot to me. And also the song, as folks will hear, is is just kind of... Um, dramatic and and like has this gospely thing happening mm. and i think i love a flair for for drama in music or a, a flair for the theatrical and for me i feel like this is one of our best attempts at that so i don't know i hope people i hope people like it and connect to it is there a, a favorite line in here that you really like i think my favorite lines you already mentioned one of them the brave are not afraid Mm. i don't know why i've always liked that line it rings with me it communicates with me and in the second verse um when it got quiet we would cry cry about the fight there's something about that that's i don't know it hits a spot for me is there a specific like fight that are you because I'm, I'm picturing kind of like a, a relational, like a relationship kind of fight. No, I'm thinking more so, I mean, it's a non-specific fight, but I think it's more so like the fight to just like find goodness and peace in the world. 
I was looking at it from the perspective of when people are hurt in a relationship or, or whenever people are connected and then they have a fight, it's like the anger just gets stirred up even more just because of how much it hurts. So, like, just the fact that you care so much to hurt is what's making you so angry that makes you want to fight. I'm thinking about the whole concept of like contrast. The strength of the relationship or or the connection is what's driving something that that pushes you farther apart and and is painful because of that. I'm kind of flashing back to when I was talking to Ken May on, on episode 13 was that like I said sometimes I, I realized that my interpretation of your song says more about me than it do- will ever say about you you know like Ooh, the way that I, I'm I like interpreting that notion though you know um I think probably the second verse is one of my favorites as well when I listen to this song there's kind of a vignette quality to it too where it's just like I get these flashes these images of like things and like they conjure up images in my head I will say, like, I like that it stirs up vignettes wherever you were going with that, because oftentimes that's how I think of the songs, too, when I think Mm. of them visually. Uh, This song and a few of my other songs, I mean, I write a lot of songs that are considered like a waltz, and I think that that has a certain feel to it. Yeah. Um, And, uh, but I don't know, oftentimes I visualize my songs as like these kind of old-timey black and white vignette films. It also makes me happy that it makes you visualize something at all, because then it makes me just feel like, oh, people are like listening and they're hearing this and it's making them... Like, the, the story's connecting, so that's cool to hear, even if we all see something different from it. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. Let's talk about the scene a little bit. Cool. Do you have a favorite venue or a favorite place that you've played as the Merry Travelers or as Rainbow Flag? Favorite place that we've played? Probably a few options on the table. As of this last year, we've played several times at the Rose Bowl, which has uh-huh. gone through a major revival. And that's been really exciting to be a part of, kind of on the fringe and then also at the center of every now and then. Other cool shows that we did this last year, we played Champagne Street Fest through the the Champaign Park District and that was in downtown Champaign on an outdoor stage like in front of Big Grove and that was a really cool event really well put on and a great crowd and it was just fun to play outside for like a large city sponsored event 
And then we also play pretty regularly at Sleepy Creek Vineyard uh-huh. in Fairmount. And that has been really a nice opportunity for us because it's a really great vibe in there. Like people drinking wine, eating cheese curds yeah. and crackers. And it's just a really great supportive staff that works there. And they provide a nice environment for us to play. So yeah. those are some that come to mind at the top of my head. One of my favorite shows of all time was at the Hogshoot Opry this last mm-hmm. fall, the Harvest Hog Shoot. I mean, the Hog Shoot is always an amazing event. Playing in that old barn is like just such a dream. It's really magical and it sounds really good. And it's just a nice event to be a part of. So I was really thankful to play at that this year. When did you take over as manager at the Red Herring? I took over as manager about six years ago. I started working there a little over six years ago. I entered the scene during a really transformative period at the Red Herring. They were just reopening after having been closed for several months, and they were going through a major rebirth. I entered the scene at a time where they just had an interim manager that was filling the role while they were looking for somebody more long-term. It didn't take long into me working there that it became clear that this was something that I thought was a good idea for me and the people working there thought it was a good idea for them. So I've been managing for about six years now. It's been really great. It's a really wonderful space and I feel really lucky to be a part of that project. The one thing that I think that you've been able to do somehow you've managed to maintain the essence of what the red herring is but you've brought such a level of like consistency to the red herring you change the red herring in a very very positive way but in some ways you managed to keep it the same mm-hmm. and i don't i don't know how you managed to balance that Well, I'd say it was intentional. I entered the project having lived in this town already for quite a while, and I I knew how great it was already. I don't have this mindset of needing to maximize everything to the fullest potential degree. I, I think I entered and I was like, okay, here's what I know the community shares as being like the really loving, nostalgic things about the herring that we all want, that we all kind of share. We want to keep the same. But then here's these really fundamental things that we could do to improve the place to make the whole idea more sustainable and Mm -hmm. better for everyone. And I I think that we were just, we were also very slow and steady with our approach. And I guess I say we, because Uh along the way, I've never felt like it was just me. It's always been a a group of people around me that have been helping to take it where it is now. Some people that have been around for almost since the beginning and that I've been working with almost this whole six Mm. years and, and then a lot of people that have been in and out. I think we've been really intentional about not trying to change everything or not moving anything too fast and just really looking at Um, the actual needs versus what's already great. This may not be something that people are aware of, but you could even say that the Red Herring is a venue in itself, too. I don't know, is, is there a pattern to when you have music playing during the week during lunch? Sort of. I'll admit, I don't have the pattern down entirely myself, and we do a terrible job of advertising how much live music we have. So I'm glad you've noticed, because it's something we don't publicize enough, 
but we do have a live jazz band there every Monday at one and they play till we close starting this last semester like the the tail end of the semester also on Mondays we had kind of lo-fi hip-hop artist performing the earlier half of the day doing mixed DJ sort of stuff every Tuesday we have a klezmer band playing Yiddish folk music Mm. every other Wednesday we have a singer songwriter that does like pop folk music and then Thursdays and Fridays are a mix of different folk bands or Mm. traveling bands or sometimes even a classical quartet that plays so yeah we have live music there some weeks almost every day but we we keep it low-key I'm really happy that on a regular basis that there is live music at Red Herring. I can't think of very many um, on-campus areas that have live music during lunch hours mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah, I don't know if there's any other place. I mean, there, there probably is. I don't want to say we're the only ones, but it is pretty rare. The only one I can kind of think is like Potbelly mm-hmm. ten, tended to do that. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if they Vivian still do it. used to do that yes. back when we were in school. Funny side story, Vivian and I were classmates back in school and friends back in the day. She was a Spanish major Mm -hmm. and I was a Spanish minor. We were in a few language courses together. So I met her when she was a freshman and I was a sophomore. And I remember she came to class one day being like, hey, what should I name my band? And she had like a list of a few band names and grandkids was one of the band names and and that ended up winning. And I remember seeing her play back at a Cafe Paradiso and Potbelly, but yeah, for Sure. So, but also as as kind of a link up with the Rose Bowl, who is consistently putting on new shows, and Red Herring has also kind of partnered with the Rose Bowl and has some pop up food available on like Thursdays and then periodically during some kind of special events. Mm-hmm. How did that get started? We hadn't done any sort of pop up event or offsite event up until Urbana First Fridays popped up as an entity. The Imbibe Urbana First Fridays happened and they were hosting an outdoor street fest that they called Veg Fest a few years ago. Yeah. So we. We participated in that, and one of our staff members even helped to be one of the organizers of that event. So that was our first time ever doing an off-site pop-up kitchen, and we were greeted with just a ton of enthusiasm of people being like, oh my god, it's so nice to have you available in downtown Urbana. It's nice to have you available another night a week. So then we were basically thinking like, wow, that was really awesome. How do we do this regularly? Well, as it turns out, if you want to be doing off-site kitchen stuff regularly, you have to get a certain level of permits and health department approval Uh, and all that. It isn't just quite as simple as doing it. So we realized we needed a permanent location to do offsite events. And as it so happens, my partner is one of the new owners of the Rose Bowl. They were looking to bring in a lot of new programming and change things up there quite a bit just to just be able to offer more options to the community. And so basically those two ideas and worlds collided Mm -hmm. virtually at the same time. And we decided, you know what? Let's do these at the Rose Bowl permanently or semi-permanently. Let's offer these once a week. And from there, we started those at the end of last May 2019, earlier this year. And we consistently held those down until just a few weeks ago when we d- decided to take what is looking like is going to be like a five-week winter break. And we'll start up again like first Thursday of February, I think. What Champagne urbana band 
kind of really floats your boat these days? That's a great question. I love that question. You can you can list some that you are really enjoying listening to these days or whatever. I feel like for the past, since August, when I discovered them for the first time, this has been my favorite band in Champaign-Urbana for a little while, but Primitive Lights, they are definitely my favorite CU band these days. But of course, that has been a rotating title over mm-hmm. the years. Used to be Grandkids when they were in town. Other bands that I really enjoy are Mermaid Heaven, Emily Ann Band, I love. Totally so many more. There's so many great bands in this town, but those are a few that come to mind. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening. Located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Holly, Mm -hmm. what is your favorite non-musical thing? My favorite non-musical thing. Or things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, okay, there's a few. There's like the the PG and then like the less PG, I guess. (laughs) Bring it. I love cooking. I love cooking plant-based food, which is why I do what I do. And I know that's what I do for work, but it brings me a lot of joy to do it at home Mm. too. And so cooking is a, a really wonderful hobby. I also love making visual art, like collage and painting. And then I'm also a big, I call myself a big cannabis advocate and a major fan of being a a proponent of both cannabis use and erasing the the stigma for other people to feel comfortable exploring and talking about it and being curious about using it. I've been joking that New Year's Eve, I feel like going and getting a contact high in in the cloud that's going to form in Urbana. <laughs> yes. So, because yeah. I mean, if there would be an epicenter for like the first day of legalization, I think it would be, you know, Urbana mm-hmm. would be. Just walking through the neighborhood. Yes. I feel like I'm going to get get a weather alert from, from like AccuWeather and they're going to be like, dense fog advisory in Urbana. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that ain't fog. That ain't fog. Uh, yeah. So. But that's, uh, yeah, that's my running gag. I'm looking forward to how that's going to change in general. I don't know. I'm hoping that there's just going to be a lot more happy, contented, less anxious people. And I, I think not very many people think of cannabis in that way. 
I grew up in, this is a really like strange concept, but I grew up in a family where cannabis was respected for its medical use. Mm. As I ventured more into that world and learning more, and then also it kind of coincided with the times really changing quite a bit, but I've really come to have a, a world of respect for the medicinal qualities of the plant and how mm. much I've personally experienced a lot of success and witnessed with friends and family so much success in terms of feeling like it's helped with a lot of nervous system issues and anxiety, depression, digestive. It just kind of has a range of potential positive benefits for people. And so I think as we're looking at the wake of it being legal in this state and also working a small slice in the CBD industry with Delight Flower Farm, we branched into that recently. I've been witnessing that there is still a lot of stigma around the usage of cannabis and a lot of misunderstanding about it being able to be used as part of someone's self-care routine and for it to not necessarily be irresponsible usage of the plant or of the medicine. And we're in a period where as more people are going to be using it both for recreational purposes and for self-care purposes, it's time we also start letting people know that they don't have to be embarrassed about it or Mm. they don't have to be ashamed of it and that it's perfectly normal to want to use it or to want to be curious about it or to even be using it regularly. It's all okay. And, you know, it's your prerogative. There is a lot of research going into just the, like, biological and chemical proof that there is a physiological connection between the human system and the cannabis plant and its ability to be kind of like a lock and key medicine for a lot of physical disabilities. Mm. And it's pretty innate to the cannabis plant and low impact on the body. So that's cool. I also find it interesting that if you were to look at it as a crop in general, it's fairly easy to grow. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that has like the highest yield of potential products Mm -hmm. that you could pull from this one agriculture. It's easy to grow. It doesn't hurt the soil. Mm -hmm. Um, Like energy inputs versus like a yield that you get from the plant for sure. Yeah. So versus like corn, which is like high energy input, low yield or whatever. I am curious to see what, Illinois looks like after cannabis is legalized. Mm -hmm. Prohibition is lifted, as some say. We've seen some really good benefits in in the states that have already, like, legalized it in terms of more more revenue and, Mm you know. I don't know. Maybe we'll have some decent roads for once. Yeah. How about it? Here's hoping. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, Illinois. Sometimes you're... You're okay. You're all right, Illinois. Let's just for a dive in say, how did you get involved with Delight Flower Farm? Just a little sliver of how I spend my time in this town. So I mostly work at the restaurant. And then being as we're on campus, it's very seasonal in terms of the rhythm of how we work. And so I've been really lucky enough to almost since the beginning of my time at the restaurant, I've always seasonally worked at the flower farm. And so I started working there the same year that I started working at the Red Hair 
herring about six and a half years ago. And I saw that as a way of supplementing my work during the summertime and uh, during the downtimes. And one of my best friends, her name is Maggie, is actually the founder of the farm. And I met her six and a half years ago, right as she was about to have a spinal fusion surgery. Her spinal cord had dislocated from her tailbone and had to have a a really intensive surgery. Mm. And it was just at the beginning of the growing season. And this had been a project that she was already about three or four years in. And I entered the scene as her friend and as somebody that she knew who had some gardening and farming experience just based on some past internships and opportunities. Mm. And so she asked me, she was like, hey, I'm essentially going to be physically incapable most of this season. Would you be willing to kind of be my my laborer during the summer? And my work at the restaurant is scaled back a bit during the summer. So I was like, you know what? I think I'll have room for that. Mm. And at that time, the farm was very small. It was just in her backyard. Mm. Um, And it was a backyard garden plot. But basically, after that summer, things really started taking off for the farm. And it really started to grow a lot. And so I've been lucky enough to be there every step of the way and and witness it grow and be there as Mm. a, a bit of a support system for it. It's very much rooted in my love for the land and being connected to the land and then also this wonderful friendship I have with my friend who is behind the farm. But it's been awesome to be a part of seeing that project really get off the ground and is now soaring. Holly, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your song, Flight of the Body. And I hope that soon there will be, soon at least in 2020, a studio album perhaps who knows for sharing stories about the red herring and your pop-ups in the rose bowl and delight flower farm and your favorite non-musical things i i really appreciate it thanks for being on thanks for having me it's been really fun to to be here you have such great questions that are really exciting i think for an artist and a songwriter to think about it's it's really fun to to talk about why we write the things we do and it's it's really nice to hear somebody ask those sort of questions and to think about why we do what we do and and dissect the meaning behind songs because that is why we do it i think people hear songs all the time and it may invoke a feeling in you and and project your own set of emotions but also for the artist it, it, there's generally a backstory and a really strong set of feelings or philosophies or reasons why we write songs so it's nice to be able to talk to somebody about them so thank you Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Holly Monet reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live.
And that's a wrap. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> studio. South Beaker. On the inside.